crazy. You start talking about the Holy Spirit and gets rambunctious. Um, so if you're new with us today, uh, we started a, uh, a series last week called Floodgates. And this whole series that we're going to be in for the next few weeks is a series about the Holy Spirit. And last week, if you are new with us today and you didn't uh, catch me, just so help me out. I only just for, for my own, I want to make sure that I've, I can bring context to all of us. How many of us got the message last weekend in service or you watched it on YouTube this week? Just show of hands. Okay, so there's many of us in here that haven't caught it yet. So just a little, um, just a little context before we get into some, some of the meat to the message today. Uh, last week we started this series about the Holy Spirit and the, the, what I presented last week to all of us is, is this truth right here, is that every single one of us needs the Holy Spirit. Okay? That was like, if you boil it all down, if you distill it all down, we all need the Holy Spirit. I don't want to say more so than ever because we've always needed the, ho- the Holy Spirit, but I would say in this moment, in this cultural reality, in the society that we're living in, come on, how many of you agree with me? We, we need the Holy Spirit right now. We're navigating things that we've never navigated before. Come on, students, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. You're not, I, I used to think, like, I used to think to myself, like, man, like, I think about my, my kiddos. I've got a boy who's getting ready to turn 13 um, in a few weeks, and my daughter's 12, and then I've got a five-year-old, and I'm thinking about the world that they're navigating right now, and I used to think like it was really, like I was going to, yeah, I was going to be one of those dads, and I'll be able to really like, I'll be able to, you know, step over the gap and understand what you're, like, what you're going through, and I'm realizing I have no idea. Because when I was going through it, the internet was just invented. Let's go, somebody, right? So I have no idea. My five-year-old hopped on her iPad the other day. She's like, what is, what is, what is, but boom. And she had this thing going on. I was like, what is just happening right now? And so for parents, we need the Holy Spirit to navigate things with our kiddos. Right? Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where you're at today. I know that in this room, there's a lot of different people represented. There's some people in here today that would profess to be followers of Jesus. And so this message is going to hit you one way. Um, there's some of us who are, are here and, and we're kicking the tires on faith and we're trying to figure some things out and this, and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. And so you're going to, this is going to hit you in a very different way. And then, and some of us were, were kidnapped and tricked into coming today. And, uh, this message is going to hit you in a very different way. You're, you're spectating and paying attention and watching. And so here's my prayer. This is my prayer at the outset of this message today. Holy Spirit, would you speak to all of us individually right now? Speak to the hard places, the hardened places, in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8 is where we began last week, and you've got the author, Luke, writing to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus was the recipient of Luke's first work in Luke, the book of Luke. And Acts was Luke's second work, both directed to the same man, Theophilus. As we discovered last week, Theophilus was going through a catechism of sort. As he received the first work of Luke, the book of Luke, he was being catechized in the way of Jesus. Catechism simply is a learning, it's a process of learning to help understand and equip somebody for baptism. That's That's what it is. So Acts is the letter to Theophilus to help him understand 
a new portion of this party, which is the Holy Spirit. And so he was learning the ways of Jesus and he was learning the ways of the Holy Spirit as he was being prepared for a new baptism as we're told about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. And so this is the space that we enter into. And so we're calling this message today the prologue to an outpouring part two because we only got to the first point last week and because uh, somebody likes to talk a lot. And so we're going to get to point two and point three today. But the idea was this, is that in the very beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, you're getting this prologue. You're, you're getting why this thing is being written and what needs to be understood so that the, the, the receiver, Theophilus, could, could understand the rest of the letter. Does that make sense to everybody? And so let's read. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8 says this, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach till the day he was taken up. And after he'd given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, and after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive by many convict, uh, convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. Every shall promise. promise. Every shall promise. promise. Which he said, you've heard me talk about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And what's really interesting is that Jesus is telling them you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and they pivot to their greatest desire, which was the overthrow of a kingdom at that point in time. Right. Isn't it interesting that the, the condition of our humanity has a tendency to look for the things that we want rather than the things that God wants to do? Come on. Come on. So he's like, hey, I have a promise for you, and you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, are you restoring the kingdom? And he's like, knuckleheads. So he says, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Every shout power. power. Every shout power. power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So today, as we continue floodgates, I want to speak to you from the subject, the prologue to an outpouring, part two, as we look at the outpouring of God's Spirit and it's necessity for spiritual formation in our lives. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. It has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Speak to us now. We are listening in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and the church shouted. Amen. And the church shouted. Amen. 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 So last week, we looked at this idea. The first point that we grabbed a hold of, the first truth that we needed to wrestle with was this one right here, is that the outpouring of the Spirit is the inauguration of a promise. And like I said, I want to encourage everybody to do your best if you want to uh, hop, into, uh, hop into our YouTube and you can check out the message from last week. I think it's really important that you grab a hold of it as we continue to, to progress through this, this message. But we talked about the idea that, the, that the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was God simply saying, I'm faithful to my word. Okay? And this is based off of the idea that it was a promise. How many of you have ever found yourself frustrated because you're waiting on what was a promise from God and you're like, are you ever going to come through? How many of you have been there before? And you're like, man, it's a frustrating moment and this is a hard moment. Well, in this moment right here, more so than anything else, I believe that the outpouring of the Spirit is helping us understand this truth right here is that God is faithful to His Word. Come on, somebody. God will do what He said He was going to do. 
So if you're, in, if you're in a waiting period, if you're in a frustration period, if you're going through things right now where you're holding on to the promises of God that are found in his word, can I just tell you that he is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his promise. He is faithful to follow through. He is not a man that he should lie, the Bible says, that he will do what he said he's going to do in Jesus' mighty name. And so the outpouring of the Spirit is the inauguration of a promise. And so we had a big, massive conversation about that. Today I want to dial into um, to these last two truths that we need to grab a hold of with all of that being kind of the preface to everything. And so we're going to look at points two and points three this week. So need your help. Come on, every shot number two. Here's the second truth we need to wrestle with today is that the outpouring of the Spirit, check this out, is the necessary power for our purpose. It is the necessary power for purpose. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everybody shout power. power. Come on, everybody shout power. power. Everybody shout power like you got power. power. Power when the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And in that, you will be my witnesses. The power that the Holy Spirit is going to give you is the power necessity for the purpose that he has for you. The author of the Preacher's Commentary said it like this, we need to understand who the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, what we can expect when He takes up residence in our minds and our hearts, and what we can do to open the riverbed of our personalities for His flow. I love that idea because what, what they're saying is, hey, listen, at the end of the day, the Spirit living in you, the Spirit of God living in you, the Holy Spirit in you is the power necessary for the purpose that God has for you. Because here's the truth. None of us have the ability in our flesh to do what God has for us to do. Come on, it's too big. Uh, Pastor Christ will talk about this in a few minutes, but uh, the beginning of February, our church is going to celebrate 10 years as a, as a ministry. Super pumped. This would be awesome. Can I just tell you something? Is that if, if God would have told me what was going to happen in those 10 years from beginning to now to get here, I'd be like, peace out, bro. I'm done. <laughs> Why? Because if I'm looking at it just through the eyes of my own self and the power I have, can I tell you, I would not be able to do it. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? Like, think about the life that you've gone through up until this point. How many of you, without potentially the Spirit of God working in you, would not have been able to walk through what you've walked through? And some of us right now are carrying bumps and bruises and scars and cuts and lacerations and all kinds of stuff because we walked through some stuff without the Spirit of God operating in our lives, and it got hard. It got difficult, and there were some things that honestly, like how many of us have been in the place? I just want to give up. I've been there. More frequently than you would think. I've been there. So we need, come on, we shout need. need. We need the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. This is what I want to really kind of dig into for a little bit here is so often we look at the Holy Spirit as an event, as a moment, or as an experience. For many of us, we hold the Holy Spirit like Christian mysticism. We use descriptors like, uh, we use descriptors like, I feel him. And we place him in a mystic container for our life. 
And by doing this, we miss the incredible power that we have in and through the Spirit, which enables us, according to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to His purpose. So here's the deal for those that need to grab a hold of this today, is that the Holy Spirit working in you transforms your will. He's not not just after your behaviors. We'll talk about that in a minute. He transforms your will. So right now, I have a proclivity towards Sour Patch Kids. Come on, somebody. I need a transformation of the will. I need need some willpower. And that willpower only comes in. It's not my flesh. Why? Because my flesh loves some power. uh, Some some Sour Patch Kids. They're Power Patch Kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but go on, how, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Like when you've got a taste for something. When your will has a taste for something. I have to keep going back to that thing. And we think we're going to do it through sheer willpower. Can I just tell you, you will never conquer that thing through willpower. You will only conquer that thing through spirit power. Come on, that, that, like that's the only place that it's found. So many, of us are, so many of us are trying so hard to, to win the day over our flesh through our flesh. Okay, so for lack of better terms, I've said this before. I'm about to probably offend some people, but just go with me on this one. Um, have you ever seen a constipated Christian? <laughs> have you seen them before? Just love Jesus. Come to church with me. And you're like, no, uh-uh, no. There's nothing there for me. We're, we're gritting it out. We're trying so hard. And you're like, why do, why do I? Because you are trying so hard. But the Spirit doesn't have to try hard. It's good. That's why he says, hey, you're more than an overcomer. In and through the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. The Spirit doesn't have to try hard. But that's why Paul wrestles in Romans chapter 7. I'm all 12-year-old today. I call it the doo-doo scripture. I do not do what I do want to do, and I do do what I do not want to do. And so I see a lot of doo-doo everywhere in my life right now because there's a, it's messy. It's kind of great. How many of you have been there before? Like, I want to do, I desire to follow God, but there's this thing inside of me. There's this will. There's this desire to, to, to go this way. But man, I really want that. It looks so good. And so Paul says there's this constant battle in me churning all the time. He says, what a wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this? But God and his spirit rescues us from that place and he transforms our will. Am I talking to anybody in church today? And so he changes you. He teaches us a new way to be human. For it's God working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So, but what we have a tendency to do is stick the Holy Spirit in an experiential mystic box. And this is why many of us seek an experience with the Holy Spirit rather than transformation by the Spirit. Maybe another way to put it is we want all the feels but none of the formation. Or maybe another way to put it is we want friends with benefits. 
I want to feel good without any of the commitment and responsibility of a relationship. And this is the condition we operate in with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now let's press it just a little bit further. If you're not uncomfortable yet, let's go. (laughs) So, we carry it, we put the Holy Spirit in our little, little box that we can carry around with us from moment to moment because it's only an experience rather than him living in us. So the Bible teaches he lives in us. And as we say yes to Jesus, it's, he's dwelling in us. But many of us just want an experience. So we come to church and we sit and worship and we go, I want to I wanna experience the Holy Spirit. But then when I leave, I put him down and I go home and I belittle my kids and my wife. See, when the Holy Spirit's an experience, I can leave him where I don't want him. So I, I sit in a table group and I pray, and I pray, and I feel the Holy Spirit, I feel all the feels. And then after table group, I put him down because I'm going to sit at a table tomorrow at my business, and I'm going to cut corners to get that deal done. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Instead of living with character and integrity, empowered by the Spirit. Come on. Yeah. Am, am I talking to anybody? Yep. Or, or I love the Holy Spirit working when I'm reading my Bible at home. But then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the Holy Spirit away when I go on Instagram or Twitter. Because I'm going to say some things. <laughs> Come on, is anybody in church on a Sunday morning? How many of you have, you know how many times I've deleted what I wanted to push? Yeah, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. Because me wants to say some things. So I'm like, ah, and we take him into our, we take him into our prayer sessions, but we put him down just before that four hours I'm going to spend with my girlfriend or boyfriend by ourselves somewhere. <laughs> but I, I pick up the Holy Spirit, and I love the Holy Spirit when, when I'm talking to my, my friend over coffee, but I'm going to put the Holy Spirit down because we get into the club. So, y'all see what I'm talking about? We, we like him in our portable container that I can put down and pick up when I want to. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was never meant to be put in a portable container. He's not experiential. He's living inside. Come on, somebody living inside of me. So even when you think you're putting him down, he's with you. That's the crazy part. They're in all the stuff. We want the manifestation of the Spirit, but we don't want to forgive. We want the comfort of the Holy Spirit, but we do not want to stop gossiping. We want the peace of the Holy Spirit, but we do not want to extend grace. We want the joy of the Holy Spirit, but we want to continue to be outraged and cynical about everything. We want the patience of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives, but we reject and avoid trials and testing in our lives. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Any, any fly fishermen in here or women love to fly fish? One, two. Don't be embarrassed. It's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> There's like four of us in here. Um, I lo- anybody, okay, let's try a better one. Is anybody in here that just loves the river, being by the river, sitting next? Okay, some of you. The rest of you hate nature. Fantastic. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
So I, I love the river, even if I'm not fly fishing, there's something just so peaceful about it, I go down there. Um, but how many of you could agree with me that the river's dangerous? It, it's, it's actually really dangerous. And here's why the river is dangerous. Most people that die in a river don't die in the rapids. They die in the spot that it looks still because they're tricked into believing that there's no flow happening. They're tricked into believing that there's no current in the water. So they wade into a place that looks still and serene, but once you get into the water, that, that current is cruising through. I give that as an illustration because if you look just up the river, there's usually some rocks or some obstruction or some logs that's breaking up the flow of the river, and you know that river's actually churning because the obstruction is proofing to you the flow of the river. Here's what I want to say about this. Many of us are trying to avoid the obstructions of life, and that's actually the very place where you see and experience the flow of the Spirit. Does that make sense? We want still and serene. And then we ask the question, why is God not moving in my life? Why is the Holy Spirit not moving? That's because you're removing yourself from the hard parts of life. You want to see the flow of the Holy Spirit? Stop avoiding the hard places that are in front of you and jump in a little bit to that space and actually say, God, I'm going to experience your presence and your, your spirit in this place right here. See, when you avoid dealing with the past, you're pushing away from the hard place where the Spirit's work is at. You never know the current or the flow or the power of a river until there's an obstruction that allows you to see it. In other words, it's the pain of life and the trials of life that will expose how powerfully the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is moving and at work in our lives. Some of us are going through that right now. Don't run from it. Face it. Face it. You lost your job. Face it. He walked out on you. She walked out on you. Face it. Come on. The report said it's terminal. Face it. I'm not minimizing it. I'm saying don't run from the place that the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. Don't, Don't move from that place. Face it. Hold it. I dare you to hold the cancer report. Okay, God. I see what this says. I'm going to face it. And you're going to move. Because you promised me you would move. You got to face it. And we've been struggling trying to get pregnant. Face it. God, this is where you're going to move. I know you're going to move right here. I know you're powerful enough to move. You got out of the grave. You can make this happen. Come on, somebody. You bring dead things back to life. You can make this happen. You were there at the beginning of the creation of the world. You can make this thing happen. You were with me through all the pain. And where your spirit is at, there is freedom. Face it. Don't run from it. And culture is tricking us into an ease-oriented life, and we miss the Spirit of God because of it. So we get dopamine hits of Instagram and social media, and we run to addictions, and we run to all these different things. Can I just tell you, you don't need any of that stuff. You need a good, old-fashioned dose of the Holy Spirit working in your life. 
So you never know the current of the flow until there's an obstruction. He's forming you. He's working in you. For some of you, this is, this is going to be a struggle bus of a message today because it's like, are we supposed to talk about this stuff at church? Yes. This is the real stuff. And please hear my heart as a, as, a, as a pastor and a communicator of God's word. I am not minimizing the thing that you are going through. Oh, please, please, please hear me. I humbly submit to you that I'm not minimizing it. I get it. Not in all of it, but I understand it because I'm around it all the time. We're around it all the time. I'm just telling you, don't run from it. Because yeah. that's where the Spirit moves. Yeah. 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 Some of you don't understand why worship was what it was today. And I'll tell you why. It's because some people were worshiping through pain. Come on. Come on. Come on. Not perfection. You just got to flip your perspective. Some of us are in here like, look at all these people. They have it all together. Uh-uh. Their hands are raised and their voices are singing because they got nothing together. Yes. That's why I worship. Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on. Can I get an amen in church today? Like, I've got nothing together right now, so I'm going to give you my praise. I'm a broken man and I'm in need of healing, so I'm going to give you my praise. I don't always get it right or say it right, I'm going to give you my praise. It doesn't always feel good, I'm going to give you my praise. It's not always working, I'm going to give you my praise. That's where the Holy Spirit's moving. That's where he's working in us. So James says something insane and completely ludicrous. You ever, you ever disliked a portion of the Bible so much you wanted to throw it across the room? This is one of those moments. James says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. What? Who was the guy who drew the happy little trees? Bob Ross. This is what, this is what I, this, I feel like this is Bob Ross saying this to me. Consider it a great little joy. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because there's happy clouds. <laughs> Do you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance? Have you read this and went, what? Are you kidding me? And then, he, and then he's crazy enough to say, let endurance have its full effect. You're like, no, uh-uh. I'm good with stopping now. Why? Well, this whole thing that we're talking about formation, he says, so that you may be mature and complete. Come on, come on. Another way to say it says that you may be reformed. Come on. Yeah. Lacking nothing. Come on. What a frustrating piece of scripture. <laughs> but how do I consider it joy? Well, if we remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Love, j- j- joy. Joy. How do you consider it joy? Well, I don't consider it joy in my flesh. Because my flesh doesn't want this trial. James is saying, spirit working in you. How do you consider a trial joy? Is because you've got a different power source working in you. So, now that doesn't mean like you're skipping through your trial. But it means you can face it. It means you can walk through it. Some of the bravest saints I've ever seen are the people that are holding on to the terminal report and holding on to the Holy Spirit. Golly. 
Not to get past trying to make it look all beautiful. But that's what we want, don't we? Ooh. We want cosmetic surgery, not internal reformation. Wanted to look a certain way. So we dressed it up with perfect smiles. Everything looks so good. We renovated our house this last year. That was a nightmare. And <laughs> I, I got to tell you guys, we got some awesome cabinets. I was pumped on our cabinets. And we are our countertops. Woo! They look so good. And the tile's phenomenal. So beautiful. The house looks beautiful. But then what happened? The furnace and the air conditioning. How many of you know? This was after the whole renovation is done. How many of you know? You don't care what the countertops look like. If you can't take a hot shower. Right? Like, my wife didn't come out going like, there's no hot water. I'm like, but look at these countertops. It looks so awesome. Come on, consolation prize. No. How many of you know you don't care what the cabinets look like when the foundation has a crack in it? Because right, right. <laughs> one may knock a few dollars off the resale price, but a cracked foundation means you ain't selling it. Right, right. But so many of us, that's how we do our, our faith walk is we want God to do cosmetic surgery instead of internal renovations. I need you to get the studs right. I, 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 need you to, I need you to reform my character and my integrity. I need the foundation to be right because it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. If it's broken and, and, and messed up on the inside, you can look like everything is good on the outside, but your heart is as bitter as possible. And here's what's crazy, it can look awesome on the outside, but the Bible tells us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the bitter will come out eventually, no matter how beautiful it looks on the outside. Am I talking to anybody in church today? Hmm. Eugene Peterson says it like this, if we don't recognize this truth, we approach spiritual formation as a self-help project. We employ techniques, we, we analyze gifts and potentialities, we set goals, we assess progress. And he says, spiritual formation is reduced to cosmetics. Without wonder, the motivational energies in spiritual formation get dominated by anxiety and guilt. You felt that before? Just pause. One of the greatest reasons that we deal with anxiety and guilt in our faith journey is because we're caring more about cosmetics than internal renovation. Wow. So you're dominated by anxiety and guilt. Anxiety and guilt restrict. They close in on ourselves. They isolate us with feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness. They reduce us to our, uh, they reduce ourselves to our worst. Spiritual formation is distorted into moral workaholism or pious athleticism. My goodness. So that's what happens when we focus on the cosmetics of things rather than the Holy Spirit working in us. Y'all still with me this morning? So we, we need, every shout need? need? We need the Holy Spirit. Yes. Here's the third and final thing that I want to 
encourage us with um, the third truth concerning the Holy Spirit is that the outpouring of the Spirit is the continuation of His plan. The outpouring of the Spirit is the continuation of His plan. So He says, you're going to receive power, the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Here's what I want us to know today, is that it didn't end in Acts 2. Now, sometimes we get confused because we book in the Bible with Revelation and, and we think that like we're in this weird space. Revelation hasn't happened yet. It was prophetic and apocalyptic in nature. So we are still living in the overflow of Acts 2. It's a continuation. We're, we're still going. We've still got a job to do. We've still got things. There's still people and lives that need to be changed and transformed by the grace and the glory of God. Come on, somebody. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the power for our purpose and it was also us engaging in a continued plan. That's why we have the Holy Spirit right now. That's why we need the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. Now, Jesus says there's some things that I know that you don't need to know. And there's some things that you need to get on with. And that's why I'm giving you power. And we've got we've to wrestle that out. Now, the outpouring of God's Spirit is the continuation of His plan as we look forward to the day and the time of His coming back. And we don't know that. So for clarity's sake around here, for some of us who are kicking the tires on, on faith and for others who are trying to figure out uh, where the well stands or some things, I'm going to read some stuff to us that I think is really important for all of us to understand about how the Holy Spirit is still working, how God is still working today in this moment. So here's, here's what I believe by way of the Spirit. I believe that by the Spirit, miracles still happen. Okay? I believe that by the Spirit, signs and wonders are our portion. I believe that by the Spirit, change is still possible. I believe that by the Spirit, there is a spirit language. I believe that by the Spirit, prophecy still edifies the body when appropriately done. I believe that by the Spirit, demons still will be cast out in Jesus' name. I believe that by the Spirit, I still do have power and authority over sickness and disease. I believe that by the Spirit, I can live with self-control and discipline. I believe that by the Spirit, peace is my portion. I believe that by the Spirit, joy is my strength. I believe that by the Spirit, I can persevere. I believe that by the Spirit, the lame will walk, the blind will see, the sick can be healed, cancer can be removed, prodigals can return, marriages can be restored, and addiction can be overcome. I believe that by the Spirit, there is a power to see dead things rise, hearts can change, and I can be guided into truth. Conviction is brought, and my mind is stable. It didn't stop. It didn't end. Because if it did, I'm in trouble. <laughs> if he's done, I'm done. <laughs> Come on, am I, am I talking to anybody in church today? Some of us are facing things right now. And everything I just read, you need. I just feel the spirit so hard on this one. You do not have a dead womb. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
You don't have a broken mind. You're not so far messed up. Come on, come on, parents. They're not that far gone. The prodigal may have wandered to a distant land, but he's coming back. She's coming back in Jesus' name. That abuse that you suffered, it may have left a scar, but it didn't define your identity. on the rock, like, not just the rocks, but I mean, it's like 37 seconds from done. It doesn't have to be. You're like, but you don't understand. He did this, she did this. In our own power, you're right, it's done. But in his power, it's not done. You're not done. As long as you have breath in your lungs, he's not done. I don't know about you, but I'm just wondering if anybody might agree with me now. How many of you would say, I need the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Because I can't do this on my own. And that's what this series is going to be about as we continue to venture into. It's the work that the Holy Spirit does in us. And I know for some of us, this is a foreign concept in here. Like, this is a challenging truth of our doctrine and our theology, and we're going to continue to work it out. If you have questions about it, talk to every one of our staff members except for me. Um, (laughs) In Jesus' name. Come on, would you just bow your head and close your eyes in this moment? At least from my understanding of scripture, I see, and we read it last week in Ephesians, that the gift of the Holy Spirit in us is received as I believe and put my faith in him. He's the the seal and he's the down payment. And so I believe that for some of us in this room today, the Holy Spirit's gonna fill you upon you saying yes to Jesus. But you gotta decide whether you believe in him and want to follow him. And so what we're gonna do in this moment is we're gonna pray a prayer all together today. I don't wanna leave anybody out. But if you might be in this room today and you're saying, hey man, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna follow him, I wanna, I wanna walk up this journey. I need that, the power of the Holy Spirit operating in me. If that's you today, pray this prayer with us. We're gonna all pray it together. There's nothing fancy in the words, but rather the heart from which these words come today. So come on, as loud as we can with as much conviction as possible, would you all just repeat these words after me? Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past, 
I'm giving you my right now. I'm going to put my future in your hands. Come on, pray this out. Save me. I declare in this moment that I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I'm sorry for doing it my way. And today, I am repenting and following your way. Thank you for salvation, this gift of grace. In Jesus' mighty name.